Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. If this is your first time here, thank you for being here. And you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13 if you would like. We're going to stay there. There's just this little four-verse parable that Jesus shares with us that talks about transformation. And this is the time of the year where we start talking about, you know, what has God done for us over the last year? I know this has been a really different year, right? But usually around Thanksgiving time, people stop and we rest and we pause and begin to say, God, thank you for what you've done in our life. Thank you for bringing me through whatever the tough time is, whatever it is that he has begun to grow in your heart, change in your life. It's where we, you know, people pause all over our nation around Thanksgiving, and we're just grateful. We're just thankful. So today, our challenge, our opportunity today is, how has God transformed you? What, what, even though it's been one of those years where it seems like nothing has gone the way, you know, we planned or that we thought, Everybody was so looking forward to the year 2020. It sounded like a really cool vision year, you know, for it all to just to go south so quickly, right? And so now everybody's looking for this year to get over. Anyone ready for, are we ready for a brand new start? Man, come on with the vaccine and let's get back to doing something normal, right? So, but what has God done in the waiting time, in the pause time, while we're wearing masks while we're trying to keep everybody else safe, keep ourselves safe. Hear news continually about someone else who, my brother right now, is quarantined. He had, he, he got, you know, the COVID virus and then he waited 14 days and didn't get better and went back to the hospital and has continued labored breathing and now he's got pneumonia. And so, you know what I'm saying? I mean, some, I had it, I didn't have one symptom. And, and my brother has it and has a very different story. And that's kind of the way it is with this thing. So continue to make sure you're doing everything you can to stay safe, keep your family safe, and others who are around you, you know, safe. But our eyes are never to be taken off of what Jesus is trying to do in your life and in my life. I love the songs that we were singing today. God is holy, 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 right? And he's wanting to transform you into being someone who is holy, and transformation is possible. So over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how is God changing you? What is he doing on the inside of you? Because it's so easy to be distracted by all the noise around us that we, that we stop being transformed in the name of Jesus. We're so mad at whatever it is, the, the story of the day, whatever the politics of the day, whatever the COVID news is of the day, whatever... People who are arguing or fighting or in the streets, whatever the next, you know, thing is that people are arguing and debating. And we, it's easy to sit back in our lazy boy recliner and talk about how bad everybody else is. But today's message is just between you and God. What is God doing in you? And so today I want to get more of God's perspective on the issue. And then next week we're going to talk about what is more of a roadmap of if I'm here, but I want to be here, how do I get there? What are the steps that I take? And we have two or three series where we've talked about that before. So if you're online joining us, thank you so much. Luke chapter 13. Before we get there, let's introduce it this way. First of all, life transformation is possible. And it's a decision. Look at what uh, Paul said in Romans. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But I love the way it's worded here. Let God transform you 
into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you. So he does all the transforming. He has all the power for transformation. Amen? My job is to submit. And some people work so hard. I'm working, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. We weren't designed to do all of the transformation. It's the Holy Spirit in you that does the transformation. It's Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Right? And so our job is to submit. Let God transform you because you don't have to. There were people, like Peter's a really good example. When he was, he was a fisherman, he had heard about Jesus, but he hadn't really seen him. Andrew was trying to tell him, Peter, you need to meet this man. You need to meet this man. I think it might be the Messiah. And Peter's like, are you crazy? I've got bills to pay. i got to go fishing. I don't have time for all that. And he goes fishing all night long, doesn't catch a thing. And then he meets Jesus for the first time near the shore. And Jesus is like, hey, put your nets out one more time, but this time do it on the other side of the boat. And Peter's like, are you kidding? Well, I've done it all night. There, there ain't no fish. Oh, okay. And there's so many fish, he can't pull them in the boat. And his eyes were opened to something different. And what was his response? The Bible says he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Master, get away from me. I am a sinful man. Right? Here's somebody who wanted, knew he needed to be transformed. And when he looked at his life through the lens of a Messiah, he knew, I do not measure up. I've got a long way to go. There were others who didn't care. There were others who had the, the opposite approach. In fact, Matthew 13 says it this way. These are the people whose hearts were hardened. Their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so that their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. It's like people, they, they may recognize that Jesus is different. He's a prophet. He, maybe he is the Messiah. But he doesn't understand me, and I'm too big. I don't want any of that. They had their own agenda. And so what God will do is he will present himself to you, and he'll say, if you let me in, I will abide with you, and we can become one, and I can lead you home to your Father. And you have the power of decision in your hands. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open to me, right? I have set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. How much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, right? All these verses of Scripture that say God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to push his way into your life if you don't want him to. You get to choose if God will transform you or not. And you don't have to. And so today we're going to look at this Luke chapter 13. And it's the parable of this, this fig tree. And this barren fig tree. 
But before we get there, in verses, and this is verses, that's verses 6 through 9. But in verses 1 through 5, Jesus is like, okay, so he comes up and hears this story about how Pilate murdered these Galileans for offering sacrifices at the temple. And, and then he says, now, were, were they the worst sinners in the world? Were, were, were they the worst sinners in all of Galilee? No, 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 no. You know, that's not the case. So what this, here, I'll just read it to you word for word. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate murdered some people from Galilee because they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were the worst sinners of all the people in Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish also. Here's the deal. The Galileans were a very political group of people. And Josephus, a historian, and Barclay, who was a, a commentator who really got into Jewish culture and history, they did all the research, and they said at this time, Pilate knew that Jerusalem's water system needed to be upgraded. And he had to find a way to pay for it. So Pilate chose to use the temple tax to pay for this new water system in Jerusalem. And these Galileans who were Jews got all up in arms and said, you can't use money that was given for God to pay for your city water system. And they started protesting and holding up signs and, and creating a big to-do. And it got all the news, all the local news stations were carrying, you know, talking to all the protesters and, and all that kind of stuff. And so now it's a big political battle. Pilate is trying to do something that's right for the city, but he's going about using money that really is designed for God and wasn't, de you know, designated to go to the government to do some kind of water project in the city. And so... The Galileans were causing a big stink, and they would go to the tax, and not only would they offer sacrifices, but they would loud and boldly proclaim and talk about why Pilate and the city was so wrong. So Pilate instructed, historians say, this is all historians, right? Said that what Pilate did was he instructed Roman soldiers to dress up in plain clothes and to hide these little, you would call them a shank. You wouldn't call it a sword. It wasn't a sword. It was just this little wooden, you know, almost like a knife. Hiding it inside their clothes and to mingle among all the people. And as these Galileans, once they started rioting, once they started doing all this political stuff, you surround them and you take them down. Not enough to kill them, but enough to shut them up. And as all that's going on, it got out of hand, and several of them were murdered. And so Jesus says, Pilate just murdered these people. Were they doing something wrong? Were they maybe making it political? Maybe the way they went about it? But he's like, they weren't the worst people in the world. And then you follow the second story. And what about the 18 people who died when that tower fell on them? So... They, we know a little less about that story, but historians record that part of this water system that Pilate was building was this tower. And in the middle of the building project, there were some of these Jewish people 
who compromised their beliefs and went to work on that system and on that tower because they needed the money. And the tower fell and 18 of them died. And he's like, is that what God's doing? Is God punishing them? Were they the worst sinners in the world? Is that what God does? He acts like we do. When someone does something that we don't like, we think they deserve it and are justified. Man, I hope they get what they deserve. And Jesus keeps coming back and saying, it's you, you, it, the person, you have to repent. Or if you don't, at the end of your life, you're going to meet a destiny that you're not going to want either. So, as we begin to talk about life transformation, Jesus sets the whole thing up by saying, you're in the middle of a highly political situation. And all you want to do is sit in your chair and talk about how bad everybody else is. And that's not how you come to life transformation. That's not what God is intending. You can spend all your time talking about how bad everybody else is or how much they deserve what they got. And, and, and if you're not careful, you're going to think that God did it. Because back, the Galileans did have a, the part of their perspective was sin was attached to death. If somebody died before their time or unexpectedly, they, their big assumption was, well, there was some sin going on in their life and God is getting his revenge. So this parable is meant to do two or three things. Number one, stop you from looking outside of yourself. Stop all of your, all of your energy doesn't need to go into how bad either political party is on what's going on in our nation right now. All of your energy doesn't need to go on what you think is right or how you wish that somebody gets what they deserve or worse, what you think God is going to do to punish all those people. He's like, stop looking around you. I only want to talk to you about you. Can we do that today? So I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm, I'm just talking about you. And so here it is, starting in verse 6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. You can hear Jesus just talking about his father already in the story. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. By the way, it takes three years for a fig tree to produce figs. Right? It's just, I mean, it's just, that's just the way a fig tree is. It takes three years. And if after three years it hadn't produced any figs, it's not going to. And so cut it down. The gardener answered, sir. Give it one more chance. Leave it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So here are two or three things. If you have the outlines and there's some on the back tables, if you want to fill in blanks and you like doing that or you like taking notes, there's also some upstairs around the booth. And so if you have a pen and you want to write some of this stuff down, you can. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. The fig tree was created to bear fruit. A fig tree is created to bear fruit. It's expected that it's going to bear fruit. And this is Jesus' way of saying, I designed you 
to do something in the kingdom of God. Every one of you, I'm talking just to you, you are designed to do something in the kingdom of God that bears good fruit. Can I brag on Karen this morning? So Karen's up in the booth. Hey, Karen. So Karen, you're, how long have you been coming to First City? Do you mind me asking? In February? And then you came to Growth Track just this past, what, two weeks ago, a week ago? And so Growth Track is this place where we say, hey, if you want to take a step, you want to get involved with First City Church, you want to become a member, we're delighted to do that. Our job is to help you find your place in the kingdom of God. So she comes to Growth Track for the first time, decides this is a place where I want to plant roots and where I want to begin using my talent. And so Taryn offered, hey, here's like 15 different places where you can use your talents. And so she came in and she said, I think I, I would love to do this. And it didn't take her one week and she's already doing it. And so thank you. That is what I'm talking about, right? So what we're talking about is what's, you, know, you were created to bear fruit, to find out how has God designed you? How has he hardwired you? What is it that he wants you to do with your special, precious life and talent that he gave you? And are you using it to bless other people. A couple of verses of scripture. This one's in John 15. Here Jesus said this. I did, you know, you did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. It's like God designed you to do something. When you discover what that is and you take a step and you begin using your talent, He's like, man, you're going to leave a lasting impression longer than your life. And you're on this path that as you ask God to bless you, to help you do more and more, to increase your influence, he's going to do it. Why? Because that's what he designed you to do. Right? So we were, you were all, cre we were all created to bear fruit. You have a role in the kingdom of God. And there is an expectation from God that you will use that talent. You have, there's something he's created you to do that's going to move somebody else closer to the heart of God. That if you don't do it, that opportunity is going to be missed. Colossians 1 says it this way. And in verse 9 in Colossians, he's like, man, I pray that God has given you all knowledge and all wisdom so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every, in, in good work and and increasing in the knowledge of God. I keep wanting to memorize out of the NIV. And so, just walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's tough in itself, right? I'm just, every step I take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life worthy of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that I can be fully pleasing to Him. And if I do that, He's going to lead me to these opportunities where I'm going to use what He has given me to bear fruit in every good work so that we can increase in the knowledge of God and other people can come to know him. That's what you were designed for. That's what we've all been created for. Here's number two. This fig tree, it wasn't condemned for bearing bad fruit. It was condemned for bearing no fruit. Did you notice that? And so oftentimes people will say, you know, uh, I'm not that bad. I'm not doing wrong. I'm not, just, I'm not going out and murdering people and ripping off people and lying and stealing and I'm, I'm not doing all that stuff. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. 
okay. Thank God. But that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is, but are you bearing any fruit? So one of the things in politically that we can talk about is this uh, social justice. And I've had several conversations with people, and I've just invited them into this conversation. I'm, I've been a part of a, a group called Just Pensacola, and there are 13 of us that are pastors who get together, and we begin talking about it, and we're all, we're all different. We all sit in different churches, different denominations, different races, everything. And it's fantastic conversation. In the middle of that, I've talked with a couple of people who are very different than me, and I have said, help me understand. Let's just open up the door and talk. And one of the things they said is, and this is, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it, right? It's not that, it's not that white churches and white Christians have added to the problem. It's that you haven't partnered with us for a solution. It's not that you're bearing, doing something bad. It's the absence of something intentionally good. And so before I say, well, we're busy doing, I say, man, I got to stop and listen, right? And so as we begin to think, okay, Jesus isn't asking you, is your life bad? He's asking, are you intentionally in his name going out to do something right? Can I mention one other thing to you that I heard this past week that bothered me? It was just a challenge from somebody who's a mentor of mine and I really love. This is what he said. I was so convicted. Rick, I think it's too easy for Christians to be lazy in your church. Well, first of all, it's not my church, but our church. Is he right? Is it too easy for us to sit back and do nothing? When God's calling us to more. Finally, he said to his garner, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. This is Jesus' most serious challenge to us. I've been so patient with you. I want to continue to be patient with you. But I've waited and waited. I've equipped you. I planted you where I wanted. I set you in the middle of people who need more of the voice of God in their lives. I've waited and waited and waited, and not a single fig, not a single, not a single thing you proactively, in the name of Jesus, have you done. And so what I don't want is just to take up space. Now, in the Old Testament, whoo, the Word of God is very powerful. I set you up as a watchman in the watchtower, and when the enemy comes, if you don't do anything, if you don't say anything, I'm holding everybody's souls. I'm holding you accountable to, to their life, their soul, you know, and their safety. I put all these leaders in positions of authority where they should make decisions for doing what is right, only to sit back, this is in Jeremiah, and they didn't do it. And so I'm going to cut them off, remove them, and bring in someone who will. Right? This is, a very, this is a, the, one of the most serious things that Jesus is saying to us today. I put you, I planted you just as I saw fit. 
I knitted you in your mother's womb. I numbered your days. I counted the hair on your head. I gave you talent and I set you out. I've given you the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you. And I've patiently waited. And now there's something that I want you to do. Are you doing it? Or are you just taking up space? It's a really serious challenge from the Lord, right? And so now I'm not talking to the one next to you. I'm not talking about our world. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that everybody has to do. But what about you? What about me? What is my role? And what am I going to do? And then Matthew said it this way. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. And this is Jesus' words. He said, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And so God is looking to see what are, life transformation is possible. Well, I don't know what to do. Okay. Well, I'll help you with that. Do you know anybody that's thirsty? Just go give them something to drink. Do, do you know anybody that's hungry? Just take them a meal. Hey, do you know somebody that is lonely and can use a visit? Just call them or talk to them. It's, is that step too big to take? Just, just go do that. And when you do that, you'll discover there's more and then more. And next thing you know, you're going to find life transformation in your own life as well as doing something for someone else who needs more of God. Right? So here's my third one. God always, this one convicts me. God always gives us more time than we need and often less time than we want. Anybody? <laughs> right? He gives us more time than we need, but usually less time than we want. In other words, for, for whatever reason, it's easy to procrastinate. You know what? I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> you know what? I've got, I'm going to get around to that. Put, hey, put that on my to-do list for next week. Well, you know, as soon as they start that, I didn't know, I didn't know a small group this hour. But I tell you what. Next time, next semester, yeah, man, that's when I'm going to, right, we're all, you know, it's great intentions. And so the gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. I'll give it, this is the work of God. Because sometimes you may think, man, what must God think about me? I've wasted time. You know, I, I should have, I shouldn't, I didn't, I I tell you what, I'm going to give you special attention and plenty of fertilizer. By my Holy Spirit, I'm going to come in and I'm going to say, come on, you can do this. We can do this together. And he's going to run after you more now than ever before. But who still gets to make the decision? We do, right? Isn't that the saddest thing about Samson's life? God called Samson to be a judge before he was born. God said, your son is going to begin to free Israel from the Philistine army. And the whole time, all he wanted to do was chase women and tell jokes. Right? And it wasn't until the last day of his life that he offered one sincere prayer to God. And God fulfilled his plan in Samson in that one 
move. What a waste of an entire life for God to have big plans and me never take advantage of it. What were you designed to do in the kingdom of God? Just, I got a couple of questions for you and then a step and then I, we're over. What, what were you designed to do in the kingdom of God? Karen's working lights and learning how to do the computer and watching as they do on the soundboard and, you know, and, uh, and others. Tyler's up here just worshiping. Tobin's playing drums. You're singing. We have people outside going, welcome. We have people in the back just rocking babies to sleep. You know, well, probably not the babies yet, but at least the, the three-year-olds through the fifth grade. They're probably, are they playing outside by the tree? So they'll go out and they'll play a little bit and then they'll say, come on over, it's time to worship God. You know what is the thing that we love most about the children here? Is that they're more interested in the worship to God than they are playing on the playground. When I heard that story, she's like, all we had to do is say one time, hey, you ready to worship? They're all like, yay! And they all came in to dance and sing. What were you designed to do in the kingdom of God? This is just you. Because God designed you to do If you don't know, then call somebody, get with somebody, call our church staff, call Taryn, because he places people all in our church in different places, you know, as God has equipped them. You know, but what were you designed to do? Here's the question, second question. What is keeping you from fulfilling your purpose in the kingdom of God? What's stopping you? See, nothing, you don't need permission to go do something in the name of Jesus. If you want to go do something in the name of Jesus in our community, go and do it. You say, well, I don't know why we don't. Well, I'll tell you why we don't, because you had not gone yet. Just go do it. Just go in the name of Jesus. And then if you need help, you let us know, I need some help. And God will give you the help you need. And we'll help. Right? Just whatever you see in front of you, go and do something in the name of Jesus. What's keeping you from it? Now, see, nothing really is keeping any of us from growing closer to God. You have a Bible, you can pray, you have quiet time. What do you need? What's keeping you? What's keeping me from growing, you know, and fulfilling what God has called? And here's the last one. The best time to take a step. And I didn't put this in a formal question because I already know the answer. The best time to take a step of transformation. Today is the day of salvation, says the Lord. Amen? So what step do you need to take? Tyler, y'all can go ahead and come on up. What step do you need to take to fulfill God's calling in your life? It's right in front of you. More than likely, you've already known it. You know what you should do. And if we're not careful, we let things crowd us out. We wait till things get so bad before we finally take a step. And people get wounded in the process. And that is so sad. So whatever it is that God has called you to do, take the step and he'll be with you.